You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Well, for heaven's sakes, uh, I probably ought to extend my hand and say, Hello, I'm Zeb Bell. What's your name? <laughs> good morning, Zeb. <laughs> and i got to say, it's good to be back. Good to be back, yeah. Uh, I, I I don't want to get too corny, and uh, I missed you. Well, I missed you, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> you want to move that mic this way? No, this way, just a little oh, bit. Really how's fuzzy. That? With your cold, I didn't want anything. Yeah. What did you do to your finger? Uh, I'm coaching my grandsons in basketball. Yeah. And being the amazing basketball player that I am. Yes, you are. I caught the ball on the tip of that finger and it fractured the little bone on the top of there. So I got to wear this splint for about six weeks. So grandpa really didn't end up showing them anything. <laughs> no, no. I see. Not much. Except the, maybe some bad words and jumping up and down. I did not say anything bad. Okay. All right. <laughs> so before we start. Well, I, he got over that subject in a big hurry. <laughs> so I got to say uh, a shout out to a couple of people. Melody, who uh, wrote to me and had some suggestions and about a book that I'm going to look up, and Stephanie, who actually came up to Yellowstone and Idaho and Jackson Hole, and she's also a member of the Choctaw tribe, and so I'm going to do a show sometime on the Choctaw uh, tribe. And so, anyway, I appreciate that from Melanie. You mean to tell me Stephanie. they were listening and they, they wanted to get a hold of you? They did, and they can go wow. to my webpage and they can send me notes and thoughts, and anyway, so I appreciate that. That opens the door for a lot of discussion. <laughs> notes does. and thoughts. It does. Okay. Well, that was nice of them. It was. I appreciate that. And you're sending them a Christmas present? Uh, of course. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's in the mail. Okay. So... Since I've been gone, we went to Santa Barbara, California. Yeah, I took a cruise out of there. Okay, and I'm going to talk about a tribe of Indians that is not very well known. Oh. The Chumash. Chumash Chumash. C-H-O-M-O-S-H. I have a dumb question for you. Okay. Whether it's the Sioux or the Aborigine or, uh, 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 no, that's not the right name. That's over in Australia. But Sioux, Blackfoot, or any tribe, how did they get their names? You know, that's a good question, and I, I'm really not sure on that. Uh, I could I could probably find that out, really. Oh, okay. Well, you but don't let's have get, to do, Let's get let's going Let's get to here. the merit of the okay. program. Okay. So the Chumash life was centered on the village. There used to be hundreds of villages uh, in the Chumash territory, and some as large as towns and some quite small villages were usually built on high ground near a good source of water, a stream, lake, or whatever. But this, these people have been there for actually thousands of years. In, in the Santa Barbara area. Right, uh, north and south of there, and uh, probably one of the oldest tribes in North America. Really? For thousands of years, actually. But the largest settlements were located along the coast of the Santa Barbara Channel, and they served as the political capitals, if you want to say, for the surrounding area, and as trading centers. Huh. Now, the chief's house was the largest in the village, and he often had many relatives living with him, and he was the only man allowed to have more than one wife. 
Okay. Now, there was always at least one sweat house in every village, and it was used not only for cleansing the body, but for masking human scent. Now, you may say, why? Well, this was very important to the hunter, especially when he was stalking deer, that he not smell bad. Okay, now hang on just a second. They had the sweat lodge. Right. And they said that by going in there and almost dying because you're so hot, you're masking your scent. Well, they... Wouldn't, wouldn't it enhance your well, scent? No, it just cleaned them off. Really ah. good. Really good. Ah. So the sweat house was partly underground. It was covered with mud and thatch, and you got into it by a ladder through the roof. Well, sounds like a fun place. Yeah, and each village also had a playing field, which was a smooth level area, big enough to play games such as, and I wish I, I should have looked this up, a game called Shinny, another game called Kickball, and another one called the Hoop and Pole Game. Uh-huh. And I'm not sure what exactly those That's are. That's kind of like Green Bay played last Sunday. Okay, I guess. Now, another feature of the Chumash village was the ceremonial dance ground in which was located a sacred enclosure. Now, this semicircular area was surrounded by a high fence and mats in which religious rituals were conducted by the priests and the shamans. This was when? This has been for thousands of years. Really? Yeah. Down there in California? Yeah. Yep, in the middle part there. You know, but each village had a cemetery nearby. The graves were marked by painted poles. On each grave uh, were placed some of the belongings of the dead person. Uh, There was also special activity areas within the village where tools and artifacts were made. And there would be an area where men would make chipped stone tools like knives, arrowheads. And sometimes the place would be set aside for the manufacture of canoes. And I'm going to talk more about that in a minute, Zeb. Hmm. But each village traditionally had access to certain hunting, fishing, and collecting uh, grounds. Now, sometimes there were some disputes between the villages over who had the right to certain collecting or fishing grounds. Okay, so a little contention. Now, they might decide the issue by having a ritual battle. Now, let a me explain. ritual battle. Let me explain. Warriors from the two sides would meet and take turns firing arrows at each other. The battle. Well, that sounds to me like it could be a short lived battle. <laughs> the battle ended after several men were killed. Okay. Oh. Now, other quarrels were settled by. So it's kind of like a team contest? I guess. You know, you take turns shooting. Oh. You know? Now, other quarrels were settled by taking revenge and burning down the enemy village, but often the chiefs were able to make peace without anybody getting hurt. So, so I want to go back to this arrow contest. You mean literally they had teams of of tribe members, yeah, and they would stand and they'd shoot, shoot at each it. other, right. and the team that had the most people left at a certain time. I guess they said, "Okay, well, you guys win," or "Are you ready to quit?" Some something like that. Yeah. How'd you like to be the referee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, in spite of these occasional quarrels, the villages were usually peaceful places centered on family, work, religion, games, and music. Now I'm going to talk a little about their food. Part of the diet consisted of plant foods uh, available only seasonally, but there were a lot of kinds that could be stored for later use. These were a very industrious uh, people. Now, acorns were the single most important plant food. There were several kinds that were ground, leached, and cooked into a thick mush, which is kind of bland, but it fills you up. Uh, I mean, they beat these acorns into a mush. But 
they would sometimes uh, add meat or fish uh, or uh, wild cherry pits oh, or something to wow. make it a little wild better. Wild cherry pits. Yeah, that Man, good. I'm telling you, that's living for me. <laughs> now, they also made a thin kind of soup of cattail pollen. Cattail uh, yeah. pollen. So pine nuts were gathered, uh, seeds of the chia sage. It was tasty and nutritious. Oh, yeah. Now, in early spring, green shoots of what they called miner's lettuce and clover. They ate fruits like elderberries, prickly pear can, uh, cactus, and manzanita. Eating a cactus is very tricky. <laughs> you, you do it delicately. Yeah. But they had some edible bulbs that they would dig up. Really? Now, sugar was actually made from a sticky, sweet deposit left by aphids or Scale insects on the stems of the large wild carrizo grass. You're kidding. So that's how they sweetened it. It must have been okay, you know. Are you willing to try it? Sure, I'd try anything once. Now, clothing, okay? Now, uh, one of the early Spanish explorers, here's what he had to say about the clothing. He said the dress and adornment of the women were graceful. From the waist down, they usually wear two very soft pieces of buckskin, ornamented with strings of beads, snail shells, and others of various colors, which give a very pretty effect. From the waist up, they wear a cape of fox, otter, squirrel, or rabbit fur. So they dressed very nicely and uh, colorfully. Uh-huh. Now, the men, uh, he goes on to say, the dress of the men is total nothing. Okay? Some of the men... You're on your own here, buddy. <laughs> okay, I'm going to skip through this real quick. I figured you would. Some of... Oh, man. Made you cough. Made me cough. Uh, Now, some of them have a cartilage uh, of the nose pierced, and all have their ears uh, perforated with two large holes in which they wear little canes like two little horns. In their ears? Yeah, yeah. These are the guys. Yeah. Now, the... Uh, he says the Indians were, quote, well-formed and of good body. The men actually go clothed with a large cloak made of the skins of rabbit, hare, fox, and sea otter. So they mm-hmm. did. They weren't totally You're without. on your own, man. Go ahead. Explain it. <laughs> they, go ahead. They had these nice robes to oh, cover, okay. cover themselves up. All right. Now, the explorers also noted that the men wore a belt or a net around the waist, and that's where they carried their knives or weapons. Oh. Okay. Now, let's talk about their houses. I can't wait. The Chumash Indians lived in round, thatched houses to make a house. They set willow poles into the ground in a circle. Then they bent the poles toward the center to form a dome. Okay. Now, the outside was covered with thatching of the house, was like bulrushes or cattails. So, uh, you know, not bad. And each house had a fire pit in the center for heat or for cooking uh, and in bad weather. So in fine weather, they did the cooking outside, but they could cook inside these because it had a hole in the middle. Yeah, we're talking like Santa Barbara, California, and it's really nice yeah. down there. It is. Uh, it is a nice place. Down yeah. there. Now, the single family homes were usually 12 to 20 feet in diameter, depending on the size of the family. Uh, the chief's house was much larger, up to 35 feet across. Oh, my. Because he did have a lot of uh, visitors and people. Oh, like yeah. That. Now, uh, what was the inside built like? Uh, I, I really don't know. Uh, it's just, you know, whatever furs and I, I don't know about chairs. Did they go or, to lease furniture? And, I don't and, think so. Oh. I don't think so. Now, the, the most famous invention of the Chumash was the plank canoe. Now, I'm going to explain that. It was very important to their way of life 
Now, keep in mind, without horses or engines, uh, a good, fast boat was the best way to travel and to carry goods from place to place along the coast. The Chumash were good traders, and they exchanged it, exchanged many kinds of things between their large towns on the coast of Santa Barbara. Uh, they also uh, used these strong, well-built canoes for fishing, for hunting seals, sea lions, and sea otters. So they went out in the ocean. On those, on those canoes. Yeah. Now, the canoe was uh, really, actually, they say, more valuable than a house. Wow. And only a rich man owned a canoe. Now, the canoes were fashioned entirely by hand with tools that were made from stone, animal bones, or shells. How did one become rich? Uh, I don't know. I guess by what you collected and sold and traded. So, Now, the best material for making a canoe was redwood. Now... It swells up when it gets wet, and this helps to prevent leaks. It is also easy to work because it's kind of a soft wood. Now, because redwood trees don't grow near the home of the Chumash people, they looked for large redwood logs which had floated down from further north, you know, up where the redwoods are along the coast. Well, sure. So, And when they couldn't find any redwood, they did use pine. Okay. Now, after collecting the wood, the Indians would split it into long planks about three-quarters of an inch thick. They would then carefully shape the planks using tools made of deer antlers, sharpened stones, or clamshells. They smoothed the planks with shark skin sandpaper. Say that again fast. Shark skin sandpaper. (laughs) So they could fit it together tightly. Now, holes were drilled and the planks were tied together. Who do you suppose was the first person that said, I don't know. I got to go out and get some shark skin and put it on my canoe. Let's try this. Now, when at last the canoe was finished, the Chumash made it quite waterproof by painting it with a mixture of tar pine pitch and red ochre color it does make you wonder who figured that out but again these people were there for really thousands of years long time now the canoes were often large about 30 feet long that's a long canoe that is now this is interesting too it's called the brotherhood of the canoe and this was a special group of men who knew how to make canoes and how to travel in them across the Santa Barbara Channel. Now, if anyone wanted to learn how to make canoes, he had to ask to be admitted to the Brotherhood. If he were accepted by the others, he would have to make a payment to the Brotherhood. Then he would adopt, they would adopt him as a brother and teach him their secrets of making these canoes. What kind of payment? I don't know. Just whatever it took to get into this huh. Brotherhood. But it was a step up. Economically. Yeah. Yeah. Now, members of the Brotherhood lived in all the different canoe ports around Santa Barbara Channel, and each brother uh, would help any other brother who was in trouble. Uh, for example, if his canoe was damaged or stolen, they'd step in and help this guy out. And there were some of the richest and most respected people of the Chumash towns. Uh, they could go way out into the channel, catch the biggest fish. They could travel to the other islands and bring back heavy loads of food, tools, ornaments. They would even go to Catalina Island. I was just going to ask if they went that far yeah, out. Yeah, they, they went that far south. Holy cow. And they actually, in Catalina Island, they had a, a uh, valuable... Uh, item called a steatite type of a rock or uh, and they could actually make bowls out of this steatite really? and that's the only place you could get it was there in, in Catalina Island you so they wouldn't would take, catch me out on that ocean with a no, canoe no now uh, the Chumash obtained a lot of things they needed from their own neighborhood but they built their houses near fresh water uh, near good places to gather plant foods to hunt or fish 
They obtained a large variety of foods and different useful materials, as well as luxury goods, by trading with the people from other villages. Hmm. Now, there were two ways of trading. Okay. The first one is barter, which we all know, yeah. where one person traded one thing directly for something another person had, and then trading for money. Now, you may ask, how? what was the money? So here's what it is. The Chumash often used strings of shell beads for money. Now, the Chumash, uh, the, the denomination was measured by wrapping the string of beads around your hand. Okay? It was said that eight strings of beads around your hand were worth a Spanish silver dollar. Really? So that's how they measured the wealth of this string of beads. Huh. Okay? And so they would use these Spanish dollars to trade with other tribes, actually. Well, I'll be. Now, the, uh, these island Chumash, the ones who were out in the islands, they traveled by canoe to the mainland towns to trade their shell bead money and other things they had made. How many people were in the canoe? I mean, like... Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I'm imagine that... Uh, 30 foot, that's a big yeah. boat to push. But if you had a lot of goods to take, you probably didn't take, I'm going to say, more than two people, maybe. Oh. Maybe other time, maybe five or six or whatever. Yeah. You know? yeah. But uh, out on the islands, they didn't have any deer or rabbits uh, on the islands, so they were glad to trade for deer hides from the uh, uh, people on the mainland. But the Chumash, uh, who lived in interior valleys and mountains, would walk down to the coast and trade for things they needed. Uh, they also traded with non-Chumash people from far away. Now, there's another tribe I hadn't heard of called the Yokuts of the San Joaquin Valley and Tehachapi Mountains, and they would trade them for obsidian, which, of course, was made into arrows, arrows and deer. Yeah, I've uh, been there many times. Yeah. Now, the Chumash even traded with the Mojave Indians who lived near the Colorado River. Mm-hmm. The Mojave brought pottery, woven cotton blankets, and it took at least two weeks for the Mojaves to walk all the way across the desert to the Pacific Coast. So they would walk two weeks over and two weeks back to trade. So they, it was a pretty amazing uh, uh, trading system. Oh, they did they have horses? No. Not at that time. They didn't. Um, so how did they carry all the goods? I, just by, uh, on baskets on their back. They would have a strap that went across their forehead and a, and a basket on their back. And the strap across their forehead would uh, uh, pull the basket on wow. their back. So, But after many years of trading, the Indian foot travels were worn deep on the hillsides and the canyons. And when the Spanish explorers came to California in the 1760s, they followed the same tra- trails, but now they're on horses. And years later, in the 1800s and 1900s, a lot of the new railroads and roads took those same trails that the Chumash took. So, now... As far as their social organization, they had uh, they lived in clans, okay, and people inherited their clan affiliation from their parents, particularly along their mother's line. People from different villages used different styles of body painting so that you could tell who was from each tribe or, or clan. Now, people who lived in small villages usually married those who came from different villages, and they were not members of their clan. And after a couple married, the husband usually moved to his wife's village and lived among her relatives. Now, each household was composed of a married couple, their children, and maybe a grandparent or an older relative. And there was no one ruler over all the Chumash people. Instead, each village had at least one chief. And he was the leader, and he was the authority. And actually, some women became the chief in their clan or the village. But some parts of the Chumash territory were organized into chiefdoms or group 
uh, of villages. But uh, the Chumash also same some shared some basic beliefs with other Indian cultures. Uh, they believed in uh, you know they had shamans and, and one thing or another. Um, what was the and I'm almost out of time here, but I want to ask you this question: What was the period of time and why did a lot of the tribes uh, just fade into one one word? Zeb smallpox. Smallpox. The uh, this huge tribe uh, group of people, thousands of them over there, and as the Spanish came in and they set up the missions, and I did go to the Santa Ynez mission and the Santa Barbara mission, yeah. and I learned a lot about the uh, 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 monasteries and one thing or another, and their goal was to help the Indians, which they did, but unfortunately, they also brought smallpox, and oh that, and goodness. like with a lot, wiped tribe, them out, huh? It. it there's still a lot, quite a few there. Really? Yeah, there really are some uh, original. Still people. building canoes? Yeah, I, I don't know, but no, they, I'm not trying to be funny. When no, I, ask I, that. I, no, I'm, I agree with you. No, they are trying to keep their their language and their uh, skills as it has been for hundreds of years. So they are trying to to maintain that. You made a point one time that the Indian tribes, whether they the Sioux, the Chumash, whatever, there was never anything written down. No. That's the unfortunate thing. So it was, uh, you know, passed down from... Unless it was uh, painted on a cave wall or something. Right, right. Now, the Indians had games. They, I've uh, got a minute left. I know. Right. they. <laughs> well, I'm about done here, uh, but they played games. Uh, they would sometimes gamble. They had a game called Shinny. Another they went to jackpot. No, they didn't. <laughs> they played marbles. Oh, really? Uh, they were skilled, artistic people. Uh, they made wooden bowls. Uh, they made baskets uh, uh, just an amazing group of people uh, they actually actually were musical they had musical instruments they had choirs who would sing oh they actually goodness. they actually had some of the very best singers that would perform at the uh, missions at the Santa Barbara now, mission. Now it won't be long, and you'll get a uh, little deal in the newspaper or the mail. It says you're welcome to attend the Chumash Choir. <laughs> Not the way I sing. Okay, hey, I got to run them. I know it. I know it. Doctor History. That was really. Maybe we ought to pursue this a little bit further next week. Well, I pretty well told about the Chumash Indians. Okay. That's right. uh, pretty much the gist of that was interesting. A, a, amazing group of people that I'd never heard about. I got to go, but thank you so yeah. much. It's good to have you back. Thank you. And thank you for all the Christmas presents. Uh, You're welcome. (laughs) 